You're listening to Adam Air MD GED Underground Cartoon Therapy. What's up, guys? I'm up in a hot air balloon coming down to the ground. <laughs> I'm descending. Oh, here to bring you a lovely little show. And I promised I wouldn't cuss in this show. This will be the only show that I don't cuss in. Do you know how effing hard that is? Anyway, let's go. Welcome to the Sugar episode. And Sugar was my grandma, my dad's mom, and we are psychically connected. And she knew all about me. <laughs> I'm going to tell you the stories that I remember. <laughs> and Suge was a, a pretty remarkable, epic person. I'm going to share whatever knowledges I have. We'll see how it comes out. By the way, today's episode is brought to you by Memory Loss, which is a sativa. It's a lot like the lemon haze, but it doesn't have the citrusy bite on it. Pretty good shit. Wow. What was I talking about? Oh yeah, so Sugar, she, <laughs> I was something special to her, man. My grandfather too, Papa, I had some charisma and brought in some family, but Sugar, she was a lot different. We're going to do that in this episode, we're going we're gonna to talk about Sugar. <laughs> she was the first hustler in my life. <laughs> the first job I ever had was with her. It goes on from there. It's all will be covered on this show, which is brought to you by Memory Loss, which is a sativa. With uh, It's kind of like the lemon haze, but without the citrusy bite. I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> All right, welcome to the show, guys. Let's get this fucker going. Mm. Memory loss. <laughs> oh my god! If you had not have fallen, then I would not have found you. Angel flying too close. <laughs> this is what I remember sitting around with my grandparents listening to the old country songs songs like this <laughs> I was always infatuated with these guys my mom's parents were cool but I didn't feel the same way about them that I did about my dad's parents Sugar and Papa were pretty great. Pretty great. I knew someday that you would fly I was lucky enough to have some grandparents. 
shit, I had two sets. <clears throat> but, you know, I was close to Papa. Papa had his moments, you know. I think my... My most intense Papa moment was... <laughs> There was a few of them, but it was after the hurricane had hit the island. I can't remember what hurricane it was. Gloria. Out there on Pleasure Island, North Carolina. Carolina Beach. And all these snakes, they all come into the fucking streets, you know, after the hurricane and the water's receding back into the lake. Carolina Beach Lake. And uh, there was this black mamba, some blackhead snake, big old motherfucker too, man. Came up on my grandfather while we were out there cutting wood in the backyard. My grandfather turned around. I was like probably right past his knee, that's how tall I was at that time. I was about seven or eight. My grandfather was like a fucking oak tree, man, you know? Huge, huge man. I remember he picked up that fucking snake and he took the axe and he chopped that motherfucker's head off. And I remember the way he did it with the fierceness that he did it in. And it really was really metaphoric with the sun shining behind him. He tossed the body of the snake to the side and threw the head out the other way. I just watched the body wriggle for a moment, you know? Hmm. I remember how shocking that moment was. Have you guys ever had moments like that in your childhood? But this is that show. <laughs> it's not really about Papa, it's about sugar, you know, more. But Papa was a part of Sugar, and she loved him, and he loved her. <laughs> I never saw them do nothing bad to each other. That was nice, out of all the bullshit I came from, you know. I'll always remember these little nights before I was even drawing drawing it with pen I was drawing in pencil somewhere in the early and mid 80s out there on that island I was sitting there drawing comics and I remember my grandfather just sitting back reading his bible and Sugar would be sewing on some doll and I'd be drawing and it was pretty, it was pretty much that simple a lot of nights when I was a kid. <laughs> pretty simple shit. People everywhere are discovering it. That cigarette is longer. Sure, it's the new luxury length. <laughs> Pell-Mell. Same Pell-Mell tobacco? Identical. Pell-Mell's famous length. And a filter tip. Tastes great. Discover the luxury length cigarette. Filter tipped, pell-mell, packaged in gold. Outstanding. And they are mild. They always kept that and they are mild bit going around for a while. 
Um, I remember it was like 1979, and I was hanging out with my grandma, Sugar, in Canal Fulton. I mean, she used to pull up to my house, man. She used to drive, and my grandfather had a couple of these luxury Cadillac cars, you know. He was the CEO of General Tire. (laughs) My grandma was pretty hustler back then, man. And I watched her get fragile, of course, and SGH, but that young time, you know, in the 70s, what I can remember of her in the 70s, definitely the thing that stuck out the most was she always had that fucking Paul Mall. And if you're from Ohio, you pronounce it Paul Mall, not Pell Mill. But <laughs> you're going to look at the pack and go, Paul Mall. <laughs> um, Paul Mall cigarettes, and she always had that long ass cigarette. And. I didn't find out till later on that the reason she did smoke the palm oil, you know, especially the long ones, was because she's psychic. You'd be like, well, what's the, what's that have to do with anything? I did notice that palm oil nicotine is really the only thing that I knew why. It, it takes the migraine away from getting psychic visions. And my grandma sugar would get psychic visions. And I got psychic visions. And I ended up smoking them. And the last little part of that was I remember just looking at Suge and she'd be flooring that fucking both her and my grandfather were just her and Papa were lead foots, man. They called them lead foot. <laughs> fucking speeding on down the road. This damn cigarette hanging out of her mouth, heading through the country and from Akron to Canal Fulton. And I remember just going, why you smoke those long-ass cigarettes, Suge? And she goes, you'll see, boy. You'll see. And that was what she meant. It was like a little double meaning there. And the Paul Malls were important, and it's, uh, I have no plans on stopping smoking. I don't think I ever really was a smoker. Because I think it's a mental thing. And I think I was really always a second-hander. And I know a lot of you guys might be dealing with second-hand smoke as kids and shit, you know, families that smoke. Sorry about that. I was too. I still am. But it does help me keep my migraines down. And I really only smoke palm oils medicinal. I noticed later on with the palm oil, you know, when I've been professionally smoking them for a while. (laughs) And I kind of, it took me a minute, and I was like, oh yeah, that's what sugar did. And then I have realized it for a while now, but for a a moment I didn't put it together. And then just all these things after a while, you start growing with psychic abilities. I don't know who's listening who has psychic abilities. If you ever want to talk about it, feel free to call me, man. I'm fucking down with it, dude. And, uh... I would love to talk about that specifically. I haven't had really psychics on here. Um, I noticed on the old packs of the Paw Malls, it said, Peraspera ad astra, and that was Latin. I guess that came from the old 14th century Turkish squatter camps who were claiming the land and growing their own tobacco farming cultivating, whatever the fuck. And, um, yeah, 
Perispera ad Astra. I think about how cosmic it was, you know, it is for me still, you know, personally to fucking have to deal with psych. I mean, it drives me crazy. I fucking hate almost everybody because of it. I think Sugar did too, but she had this philosophy about trying to train me not to be ugly because of it. Because, you know, when you are a psychic, you can see through most shit. It's kind of hard not to be hard on people, man. Sugar had a way of learning how not to be hard on people, but she had a different life, too, you know? Perispera ad Astra. Oh, man. I remember this one time, it was, I was about... It was 1977, and my sister came into the room with my mom or whatever, and my grandma was right there, and my mom was all, look what she made for you, and I was like, what is it? And she goes, that's your travel bag, so whenever you go to see your sugar and papa, you got your bag, and you can put all your shit in there. And I just remember how excited I was, and I remember holding it up, and it was made of old overall, uh, railroad overall laundry, like a pair of old railroad overalls, <laughs> and it had a, a pic, a picture of a, a, not a picture, but she cut out the letters, you know, and sewed them on, A-W, and that became my A-W bag. <laughs> I never knew what happened to it in the end. But I had that motherfucker for a long ass time. Man. <laughs> I never grew up with the value of things were worth holding on to like that, you know? I always kind of grew up with this whole thing where things were expandable. And you can kind of tell it in my attitude till to this day. I'm pretty apocalyptic still, but anarcho nihilistic. <laughs> I remember that AW bag. That was my beginning of my traveling bag. So Sugar was the first one to get me into that traveling. Because as soon as I packed that bag, I was out of there. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, I had a problem with some fucking anger. I still have a problem with some fucking anger, but uh, at that point, my grandma, Sugar, she saw it, she could relate to it, somehow something in her, man, you know, she knew about it in me, and uh, so at one point, she made me this Incredible Hulk Raggedy Andy doll. Oh, I fucking love that thing, man. It became the pinnacle of my toy collection. And I'll never forget Sugar making that fucking raggedy Andy Incredible Hulk doll for me. And it really meant this thing. The Incredible Hulk. It really meant the world to me, man. Sugar was the first person I ever got a conspiracy theory from, man. I remember it kind of was like, I thought I was like 13 or 14, it was like middle school for sure, and uh, 
I was getting more into sci-fi and stuff, and it just came up one day, you know. I don't know. She didn't want me to ever talk to a, my grandfather about it. I don't think Sugar knew who Stanley Kubrick even was. My grandma knew this was all bullshit. The moon landing. <laughs> okay, I just checked. Uh, back up to that first step. Uh, Somewhere around here, my grandma saw a boom mic fall from above. And I know she saw it. And she wasn't a conspiracy theorist. That was the thing. And I still didn't even know what a fucking conspiracy theory was. Uh, Buzz, this is Houston. <laughs> two, one, one sixtieth second for shadow photography on the sequence camera. Shadow photography. The fucking shadows are wrong on the motherfucker even. They fucked it up. Anyway. Go look up the Stanley Kubrick conspiracy, the moon landing conspiracy. There's a shitload of shit about it. Hell, there's even, according to Stanley Kubrick... Conspiracists. The movie The Shining has a lot of things to do with uh, the moon landing. There's a whole fucking movie about it. But my grandma Sugar didn't know this shit, dude. But she definitely didn't want my grandpa to get mad at her. Because he was like still lost in another part of America that hadn't developed to where it is now. <laughs> I'll never forget that, man. You know, it would have been fucking years later. <laughs> That's what it was for me. One small step for me to hear this shit. One giant leap later. To know everything that I do. And to have Sugar to thank for it. Cheers, Sugar. You know, one time Sugar was sitting with me and it was raining outside on the island. And I remember her sewing these Raggedy Andy dolls and Raggedy Ann dolls all my life. And um, <laughs> watching her become this older lady over time and how young and full of uh, vigor we are in our original mold. <laughs> and time does default us, man. Um, you know, I found her sewing those old dolls and watching her knuckles fucking just cripple up over time. She was telling me the story one day 
It was all raining all hard on the island. It's fucking nice out, though. And uh, she was telling me about how, you know, one day there was a time when Papa wasn't getting paid for some reason. And there was a big old, you know, wait for money. Times were tough at this one point. And my dad would have been young and the kids would have been young. Pretty young. And all of them were gone and my papa was gone. My mom, my sugar was the only one that was at the house, you know. And they had half a fucking pot of stew that they had to fucking share between, you know, six kids. It wasn't going to work out. And just a little bit of bread. And this guy had come along and Sugar said, he looked familiar, but I didn't know who he was. I ain't never met him before, you know. And he was kind of a hippie. <laughs> and he asked me for some food. And I told him I, I really didn't have it. And he, he smiled and went his way, but... You know, I was just like, you know, we're going to figure out something else, and Sugar's just the kind of person that's going to feed you. And she called the guy back, and he came back, and he was unaware about the kids and everything, you know, and she didn't even bother telling him. She just wanted him to eat. And the guy had like half half of what they had already. And uh, he told her, you know, he's like, you know, God multiplies these things for those that don't say it, but do it. And uh, gave my grandma a hug, and Sugar was kind of like, hmm, wonder what the hell he meant by that, you know? And so un- unbeknownst, you know, she hadn't even checked a pot or nothing. The kids came home, and Papa was there, and... uh They were ready to go ahead, and they were like, you know what? It's okay, Mom. We're okay not even to eat tonight. You know that? Because we know we ain't got much. And She goes, well, we're going to eat the little bit that we have. And she looked over, man, and there was a full fucking stack of bread. And she opened up the pot, and it was filled to the whole top. And there was more than enough food to feed everybody. And, uh... There was that little notation that she had made. I know who that hungry man was. That was Jesus. (laughs) I was like, it was Jesus, all right. God bless. I remember in the 80s when uh, we decided to go ahead, my family decided to go ahead and leave uh, Ohio and go on a road trip to go see my great-grandma, Annie Mae. (laughs) Oh, man, I remember rolling out of Ohio, looking at that countryside. It's going on for fucking miles when you're a little kid, man. You know, you meet people like my uh, Grandma Sugar and her sister, Ivy, who lived out in Tennessee, my Aunt Ivy. And these were very respectful women and... You know, totally cool, never cussing, very sweet, very polite women, right? (laughs) Well, 
That's not where we were heading to. <laughs> Annie Mae, oh man. I remember my dad was a little discouraged. I was like, what's wrong? And he's like, ah, just the yard work I'm gonna have to do already as soon as I get there and blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> we went up to the porch and opened the screen door. My dad was like, Hi, Annie Mae, I love you. And she was all, I love my cigarette. Fuck you, motherfucker. My dad's jaws kind of fucking dropped, you know. <laughs> Me and my sisters were, we. she was just this fucking, the biggest woman I've ever seen in my life. Just had the fucking scowl on her face. And just a cussing brick house fucking woman, man. And I think, you know, I was a big MOD fan. You guys remember MOD? Check this shit out. <laughs> this was Annie Mae, man. She was not like sugar. The love boat. The oh shit. Oh shit. My dad tried to run for his life. <laughs> She grabbed him by the scruff of his neck, threw him in the yard, fed him to the dogs. I never saw him again. <laughs> I wish. I guess in the 40s, man, she would just sew fucking 30 blankets a fucking day, dude. She fucking would knuckle out fucking sewing all day, man. She was a power-driven violent woman I could never understand how sugar came from her <laughs> but I loved her though as her own person she's like don't worry baby boy I'll always watch your ass you ain't in trouble but this boy over here and he grabbed my dad stripped the skin off his fucking body <laughs> it was awesome nice to see some fucking revenge for a minute here comes Annie Mae. Annie Mae versus Billy Milano. Annie Mae would have wasted your ass, man. You would have tried to have loved her too, man. And it would have been too late. That's what would have happened. Well, Frankenstein had come out in 1931. My grandma was still pretty young. And it was really hard to, you know, save up money to go see just a nickel matinee. <laughs> but she had saved up the money and went and saw it. Well, someone at her church had seen her go into this abominated movie. Yep. And uh, they went back and spread the word to the people at the church that my grandma had seen this satanic fucking movie <laughs> well then needless to say when she came back you know on a Sunday the preacher had confronted her and along with the rest of the council of the church and they were like Sugar Faye you're not allowed back into this church not now and not ever well, my goodness, why is that? 
because you went and saw the Frankenstein movie. <laughs> and that movie's necroptic. <laughs> My grandma was a little shocked, you know. But it didn't really surprise her, I guess. She was just that kind of person. She looked at the ground and she said, Well, it was a good movie. <laughs> That's kind of the end of that little part, but I always thought that little thing was kick-ass, man. That little part of history right there. <laughs> hmm. I remember this one time I was like 14, and there was some skateboard championship happening down there on Carolina Beach, man. And uh, I was there, but uh, I didn't skate it, man. To be honest, I never was that great of a skater. But I fucking would skate the fuck out of some shit anyway. Acid dropping, boneless, <laughs> grass grinding, rail sliding, <laughs> curb sliding, violating your property. Skateboarding around the fucking island, man. My grandfather... I don't think he was into it as much, but Sugar loved it, man. Here come the boys! <laughs> and we had a crew there, man. People there on the island. Anyway. <laughs> it was like this huge fucking skate contest fucking thing, man, you know? And this guy had fucking launched off a quarter pipe and was, had caught this fucking air. It was a brilliant fucking jump or whatever. And someone at the fucking Island Gazette caught the picture. And I remember uh, it got put in the paper. And it does, it looks like me. But it's not me. But my grandparents thought it was me. And... I was already having problems and shit, man, and my grandma thought it was a really positive thing. And Sugar was like, I love the photo in the paper, come on down, I made you a dinner. And I was like, huh? Went down there, I was like, that's not me. I tried to tell them. And they really looked bummed out. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh yeah. That, I remember, what, I forgot about that. And that was my skateboard story. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sugar could tell I was wanting to work. I wanted to spend a lot of money on some video games and shit. And I had a pretty strong addiction to pistachio pudding. <laughs> I tried to steal a box of pistachio pudding from the A&P. <laughs> the first thing I ever tried to really steal outside of stealing cars, which my grandma sugar did not know about, never did, thank fuck, but I got busted and the guy at A&P told my grandparents and said he ain't allowed in the store no more, <laughs> so my grandma thought it'd be a good old idea to, why don't you come on down to the motel and help me uh, start making some money, and uh, I asked her what she had in mind. she said well, Changing the linen, scrubbing the pool, 
scrubbing the tiles on the pool, changing bed sheets. Can you handle it? And I was like, I think I can handle that. <laughs> She'd put out this little transistor radio and bust these tunes out like Patsy Klein here. <laughs> Actually, this is Loretta Lynn. Sorry about that. Ugh. But all of them were there. Loretta Lynn, Patsy Klein, Minnie Pearl, Juice Newton. <laughs> Queen of Hearts. But I worked at that motel for a few years. I got to know the uh, owners, Florence. And the name of the motel was called The Hamlet. And that motherfucker had been there since pretty much right after the Civil War. But it taught me work ethic. And it taught me how to to always work for what I want. Anything that's worth a shit anyway. My favorite time with my grandparents out of all the years that I spent with my grandparents was simply watching television, man. Specifically, One Little Gem. <laughs> also known as... Welcome. Fuck yeah. Woo! Fuck yeah. You don't need any more special guests. You got Dolly Parton. They fucking schooled me on fucking hee haw, man. Sugar and Papa. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. Yes. Woo! Hell yeah. Yep. Fuck yes. That dude. Hell yeah. I would have spent all of my 20s in a death metal band listening and watching Hee Haw with Colostomizer, too. So I'm a fucking Hee Haw expert, man, for sure. Want to take the time and reflect. Oh my god, no. It was right before Reagan had been reelected and the great tire layoffs, you know. My grandfather was CEO of General Tire and uh, Sugar was at home in Ohio a lot. She was working with my Aunt Alice and they were bartending or some shit like that. Um, you know, finally uh, my grandfather hit the pension and retired right before the layoffs, so they ended up moving to Carolina Beach from Akron, Ohio, and bought up a bunch of property. And by the time my dad had actually been laid off, who was still, you know, working there after they left, you know, we ended up having to basically move from Ohio to North Carolina, became fishermen. My dad was a milkman. But I would fish with my grandparents all the time, dude. All the time. I remember the first time, though, the very first night of coming into Carolina Beach. And I was like, God, man, I was such a, I was just a little kid, you know. And on the boardwalk, they had all these, they had a boardwalk about three blocks from my grandparents' house. They had bought a house. It was called the Sugar Shack. <laughs> and everybody knew about it. And, uh, 
you know, it was just this tiny little house. They knew my grandparents. Everybody knew it's a small little island, man, you know. And you walk up to the boardwalk, and there was rides and a roller coaster. And uh, I thought there was a roller coaster and a Ferris wheel or some shit back then. And a gigantic water slide. There was, like, two of them that were together, put together. They were fucking pretty badass. It was cool. But I remember that first night going up there, you know, and... uh that excitement and that thrill of smelling that cotton candy and shit. And then I saw it, man. I saw, first I saw the shooting gallery and that was awesome. And I loved all the little things you could shoot at and all that stuff. Nothing like that really exists anymore, you know, maybe somewhere, but it's all vintage as fuck. But the one that I really love with the fucking ride through haunted house, man. And, uh, I only got to ride on it once. <laughs> If you've ever rode on one, man, you get in this little half cauldron, you know, and uh, (laughs) you go through the house and it's kind of psychedelic, you know, kind of a psychedelic little thing, you know, I'll never forget that though, man, I'll never forget how I like the fucking uh, sounds of it and all the crazy shit and Skeletons. And I remember Sugar rode with me. And then when we came out at the end, and I was like, that was freaking awesome. (laughs) That was fucking cool, man. Nice little haunted house ride memory. I was out in Canal Fulton. I was out there chopping wood with my grandma. Just a little kid, you know. And uh, I was swinging the axe or whatever. And this fucking wood fell down and it fucking fell on my leg, you know. And it fucking broke my leg. <laughs> my grandma was like, oh my god! It's like, you okay, boy? Jesus! Freaking out. <laughs> and I, uh, limped inside and I sat down on the stairs and I didn't cry one tear, man. And my grandma knew then that we were able to speak together through telepathy, you know? And we started, I could hear her in my head. And I'm pretty sure she could hear me in her head. And I'm pretty sure it wasn't just in my head. (laughs) I always called it the woodpile story. Because that was when me and Sugar really connected. At that time, my papa was smoking pipe tobacco. (laughs) And the whole house smelled like it. Pretty awesome. Wood. That old wood smell. In their little house out there. Sugar knew. My mom came and picked me up. 
And I think my mom kind of felt that she just walked right into the middle of some psychic vortex almost. I kind of remember the look on her face and how she was. And Sugar kind of picked up on it, you know, and looked at my mom and was like, you just take it that easy there, baby girl. <laughs> and I knew it too. And that's when me and Sugar really psychically connected. I'll never forget it. My favorite times with Sugar, you know, were always going to the beach, man, and looking for these shells. Looking for shark teeth. I found some pretty good shark teeth, man, back in the day. Some frosted glass. I remember how innocent the whole thing was. You know, I loved working with my grandparents, man. You know, they they were respected people on Carolina Beach, and they were in charge of running the senior center, you know. And they read it, they ran it with my adopted grandparents, Clint and Lee Moxley, God rest their souls. And they were really beautiful people. And I really got to know the senior citizens on the island when I was a kid. Yeah, pretty cool, man. Playing that shuffleboard with those old people when I was a kid. And you didn't really see like younger guys like me really given time to just be there, but that's kind of just who I've always been. Here in my older age, I feel the same way, but I just don't have time for fucking people's bullshit and their reasons of what they fucking feel are ample towards what they need to throw down. Hey, that's cool, man. Go do your thing. Most of the time, it's really just not the most important thing to be looking out for, you know? Sugar and Papa taught me about that. They taught me about looking out for other people. And they taught me about being there. And they weren't perfect. And there's dark things in everybody's life, man. I'm going to leave that off this episode. That ain't what this is about. This is for the PTSD listener. And I'm trying to remember good things. Because it's important. Because if you don't remember the good things, it kind of washes back in. Just like the tide. I guess I'm going to close this motherfucker up. <coughs> Me and Sugar found all kinds of shit in that ocean. <coughs> Solid gold buttons. That we turned over to the Fort Fisher Museum. <laughs> we didn't keep them. We didn't keep it. We only kept the shit that belonged to us. And we only made the shit that belonged to us. And my grandma Sugar was really proud of me. 
And I know wherever she is in the spirit world, she still is. Hope my papa is too, you know. I really did love sugar and papa. Alright guys, hold on. <laughs> Let her wash back into the sea. I guess I'm going to close it out with an important story about racism and uh, my first encounter with it, you know, was my um, cousin had come from Tennessee or whatever. I really hadn't heard anyone drop an N-bomb. I know it's kind of weird, but I was already like uh, 11 or 12. And I remember the first time I heard my cousin just say it all blatant. We were like watching Oprah Winfrey or some black television host or whatever. And he just went, that damn N-bomb, blah, blah, blah. And I was drinking milk and it fucking just went right out my fucking nose, you know. I was so shocked. I couldn't believe it. And then, he, you know, after he left, I was talking to my grandma, and she was like, well, that's how my family feels about French people. I was like, French people? And I didn't understand that's how she was trying to say <laughs> black people. So, you know, they were from a different time, and it was not right. You can't look at this shit. You know, she's passed away now, man. I mean, you know, but God bless her. You know, um, my grandparents, like I said, they weren't right all the time. They weren't racist either, but they just had some back-ass words fucking way that America had just been upbringing fucking people like my gra fucking grandparents, man. Just over and over again. I remember I was 14, and I went to Strickland Surplus out on uh, Carolina Beach Road in Wellington. And I bought a pair of combat boots, and I had a green army jacket, and I went to this punk rock shop, and I scored a seven second shirt, and right away I fucking cut the seven off the shirt, and I sewed it on the back of the army jacket. I already had a cool style going, man. I remember walking in, I did look like a skinhead, but I was more hardcore punk, and I was against the racism. And, you know, the seven-second symbol has a target, and then there's a seven going through it. These guys are not racist, man. You know, these guys are... <laughs> fucking hardcore punk against racism. Kevin Seconds, the good dude. I don't know him personally. My brother does. He's recorded with him. He can vouch for him. I believe my brother. Hey, man. <laughs> but I remember just sitting there... And I had already seen enough shit, man. And I remember my grandparents being really concerned about it. Hey, you look like a skinhead, man. And you got a KKK symbol on your fucking jacket. I was like, no, I don't. That's anti-KKK. My, my grandparents were like, hmm. They did not know what the fuck they were looking at. But this was the beginning. <laughs> the beginning of the end, guys. Bye, guys. See you next time on Adam Air MD, GED, Underground Cartoon Therapy.